Good morning. Thank you for tuning in to this message this morning. I realize that we live in confusing and chaotic times. It's not normal for me to be preaching to an empty sanctuary, and yet I pray that regardless of the environment that I am in or that you are in this morning, that you'll be encouraged by the Word of God. I want to encourage you, even before we begin to look into it, that God is still in control. God is doing a powerful work, and God is taking and using all things for his glory, for our good, that is, to the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Even pandemics, even sickness, even disease, even loss, even suffering and sorrow, God has intent and purpose through them, and it is for our good as we trust him and for his glory. I want to encourage you this morning that that is still true. Not only is that true, but even in the midst of this, God is still good. It's not just that he is going to accomplish something good through it. It's that he is good right here, right now. The church may be spread abroad and we are missing one another, but we still are the church. We still are a child of God by grace through faith. We still are his body. And so even though we can't be gathered together, we are still called to in our community and in our homes to be the church, to be people of Jesus Christ. We are still united as that body in Jesus Christ. On a personal note, it's good for me to be back with you, even though I can't be physically with you. I've come back from my parental leave and am available to you if there's any way in which I can minister to you. But with or without me, you are a brother or sister in Jesus Christ. I'll encourage you to reach out to one another, especially in this time of need or in your own time of need. Reach out to one another. I would encourage you this morning to take your Bible and return to Psalm number 16. That is Psalm number 16, and we're going to read the entire psalm this morning. Before we do, let's go to the Lord once again in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you that it remains true, that it is trustworthy, and that you are faithful to your word, that you have not said something that will not come to be, that you are in control as you have revealed through your word, even in the midst of the chaos and Lord, the difficult situation that we may find ourselves in this morning, that you are in control and that you do all things well. You do all things perfectly. We thank you, God, that there is no sin in you. You are perfect. You are spotless. You are the Lamb of God. And so we can trust you implicitly. And I pray that you would cause us to cast ourselves upon you. I pray as well this morning as we look into this, this word, this psalm, that we'd be strengthened, and encouraged by it, that we'd be challenged this morning, that you would stretch us, maybe convict us, but through it, that you would draw us close to yourself, that you would incline our hearts towards you, that we would consider Jesus Christ, we would meditate upon you, and we would be built up as the body of Jesus Christ together, for we pray this in his name. Amen. Psalm number 16. This is a psalm of David. Preserve me, O God, for in you... I put my trust. O my soul, you have said to the Lord, You are my Lord. My goodness is nothing apart from you. As for the saints who are on the earth, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. Their sorrows shall be multiplied who hasten after another God. Their drink offerings of blood I will not offer, nor take up their names on my lip. O Lord, you are the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You maintain my lot. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good inheritance. 
I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My heart also instructs me in the night seasons. I have set the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Therefore my heart is glad, and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. May God bless to us the reading of his word this morning. This is an incredible psalm, a beautiful psalm. It is a psalm of David, and yet it contains so much more than that. David in an uncertain situation. We're not sure why he wrote it or exactly what it related to at the time that he penned it. But we can understand his perspective in this. We can relate to his perspective in this. And even what he cries out and what he states and what he affirms, we can reflect in our own life. Even as we were reading through that, we can say this is a statement that I am making or I have made or I will make. And he starts off very simply, and I'd just like to run through it from the perspective of David. Then we're going to look at something a little different. We're going to look at it from the perspective of Jesus Christ because this Psalm 16, in the latter part of it at least, speaks looking forward to Jesus Christ. But in perspective of David, very first verse, Preserve me, O God, for in you I put my trust. What a statement. What an affirmation. What a, what a conviction. And yet, at the same time, a plea for help. Preserve me, O God, for in you I put my trust. In verse 2, David says, Lord, my goodness is nothing apart from you. And we can reflect that as well. In verse 3, he says, It is such a privilege to be surrounded by believers. It's a privilege for us today to be part of the body of Christ, of his church, even if we cannot be literally or physically surrounded by them. In verse 4, he says that he abhors evil and he'll refuse to even say anything about them or have anything to do with them. In verse 5, he makes a statement that God is my provision now and eternally. In verse 6, David says, God has blessed me. In verse 7, he says, I will bless the Lord for giving me wisdom. In verse 8, he says, God is my focus and nothing disturbs me. He says in verse 9 that he has peace and gladness and hope in light of this, that God is my focus and nothing disturbs me. In verse 10, he says that my destiny is not in the grave, that he had hope beyond the grave. In verse 11, he says, God will bring me through death to everlasting life. And I'm certain that David didn't know exactly how that would be accomplished, but he had that confidence. He continues to say that your presence fills me with joy. This is in verse 11. And then he says, there is eternal pleasure in being with you. These are some of the perspectives, the view, the certainty, the hope, the confidence that David had. And I pray that you can repeat them with David this morning. However, In Psalm 16, we do not just have David speaking of himself, but David speaking prophetically of Jesus Christ, particularly in verse 8 to 11, which is quoted by Peter and by Paul in part in Acts chapter 2, verse 24 to 28, and in Acts chapter 13, verse 35 to 36. In both these passages, it is recognized that David was speaking prophetically about Christ, and particularly about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
So here in Psalm 16, although David speaks from his perspective, he is speaking, predicting, or prophetically of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we see that very clearly as we look at the latter part of the passage. Psalm 16, verse 8. So think of this, we've already looked at it from David's perspective, now think of it from the perspective of Jesus Christ. He says, the Lord, that is Jehovah, is always before me. Was that the case? Yes. He continually looked to his heavenly Father. That was his focus. And so he would not be moved. Was that the case? Well, it says here predictively, or speaking prophetically, that he would not be moved. I shall not be moved. It speaks in the New Testament of Jesus Christ setting his face like flint towards Jerusalem. That that was his goal, that was his aim, that was what he was, that is what he had come for and he was determined to carry it through. This is the perspective of Jesus from Psalm 16. That's in verse 8 and verse 9 says that my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. Was Christ's heart glad? Yes. In sorrow? Oftentimes? Yes. But rejoicing, it seems, at all times, filled with joy. He says he glories, or sorry, and my glory rejoices. His glory rejoices to go to the cross. Yes. His lips, they spoke of the wonder, even in the pain and anguish, of what God had placed upon him to do. In verse 9, it also says, My flesh also will rest in hope. Is that a perspective of Jesus Christ looking forward? Absolutely it was. To the utmost, he had hope, he had confidence that what God had called him to do was good. He had confidence in God, his heavenly Father. In verse 10, looking from Christ's perspective, For you will not leave my soul in Sheol. This is definitely speaking of Christ. Not leave my soul in Sheol, that is, the place of the dead. God raised up Jesus Christ. God did not leave him in the place of the dead. In Acts chapter 2, verse 24, it says, Having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. It was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 2, verse 30 and 31, it says, Therefore, being a prophet, that is David, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his body, according to the flesh, he would raise up the Christ to sit on the throne. He, David, foreseeing this, spoke concerning the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that his soul was not left in Hades, it's the same as a place of Sheol, the place of the dead, nor did his flesh see corruption. Verse 10 of Psalm 16, For you will not leave my soul in Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. There is no doubt that Psalm 16 is speaking of Jesus Christ. And even where it ends in verse 11, it says, you will show me the path of life. And we can almost see Christ saying this, that it being prophetic about Christ. You will show me the path of life, that is, life through death, that is, the death of the cross, that Christ would raise him up from the dead. He goes on, in your presence is fullness of joy. The delight of Jesus Christ, to the longing of Jesus Christ was to be restored into the presence of God the Father. He delighted in it and we know that he eternally has it because at the resurrection, after the resurrection, the ascension of Jesus Christ says that he ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father. There in his presence there is fullness of joy. 
We have an, a picture of that as well in Jesus' life on the earth at the Mount of Transfiguration. It showed that the presence of God is the fullness of joy. It continues to say, At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Spoken by David in some application to himself, but spoken of Christ, who hundreds of years later fulfilled it and is still today fulfilling it. Pleasures forevermore at the right hand of God the Father. Now we've spoken about perspective of David and we've spoken from this psalm about the prophetic perspective of Jesus Christ. But what about us? What does this psalm say to us? And and I hope and pray that we can say this psalm, that we can pray this psalm. I mean, there are so many verses within this psalm that should be cried aloud from, from the depths of our heart, the depths of our soul, even in this moment. And it starts very, very simply. Verse 1, preserve me, O God. For in you, I put my trust. If you are in Jesus Christ, then this passage doesn't just apply to David, and it doesn't just apply prophetically, now fulfilled, to Jesus Christ. But if you're in Christ, it now applies to you. And so we can see the application here, that cry for his help, preserve me, O God, for in you, I put my trust. I pray that that is true of you today. I know the beginning part of it is definitely true of me. Preserve me, O God. I can't preserve myself. I'm unqualified and unable to keep myself. So I will place my confidence, my trust, my hope in him. Believing his promise that he will preserve. That doesn't mean that he will give me everything that I wish for in this life. It doesn't even mean that he will extend my life. But he will be the one who keeps it whether on this life, on this earth, or eternally. But I want to skip down to the end of this passage, the part that was applied to Christ as well as David, and prayerfully see how it applies to you and I as well. So going to verse 8, Psalm 16, verse 8, I pray that this is something you can say. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. I have set the Lord always before me. Is your attention turned towards Jesus Christ? Is your attention turned towards the glory of God? Is that your focus? As we experience difficult times in life, is that your focus? As we experience uncertain times in life, is your focus the glory of God? As you yourself run through periods of of loss or periods where you're lacking, periods where there's an insufficiency in your life? Is your focus upon him? Can you say, I have set the Lord always before me? I don't know why God is causing or allowing what is taking place in the world right now, but I can't help but wonder if it is not so that this verse would come, would become a reality. This, this statement would become a reality. I have set the Lord always before me. Is he not removing things upon which we place our confidence? Is he not removing, if nothing else, the distractions from life? Is he not causing us to reprioritize what truly matters? Right across the globe, he has taken away things that we have taken for granted. He has taken away things that we, in our own selfishness, our own self-centeredness, 
have relied upon or valued or praised or even worshipped. And he is calling us to set the Lord always before us. And as we set the Lord always before us, it says, because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. As we turn our eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of this earth grow strangely dim, then we can say with confidence that I will not be moved. I am trusting, I am looking to him, and therefore I am established. I am firm, I am confident, I am unmoved. In this time of chaos, I won't be perturbed. In this time of chaos, I won't be upset. When everything else seems to fall apart, I will not fall apart because I am fixed in him. Nobody's tipping over this apple cart because my confidence is not in the world around me, but is in Jesus Christ. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Verse 9, therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will rest in hope. My heart is glad. Do you have a glad heart this morning? Maybe not about the things that you've lost. Absolutely not. But about the things of Jesus Christ. Are you looking on the things that are seen or the things that are unseen? Are you looking at the things that are earthly or the things that are heavenly? Where you fix your eyes is going to have an effect upon your heart. If your eyes are set upon him, you will not be moved and therefore your heart can be glad in the midst of everything that you face. My heart is glad. I pray that your heart is glad. It goes on and it says, my glory rejoices. That's a bit of a strange wording there. Literally, it means my tongue rejoices or all that I am, all that is of me, all my faculties rejoice. I pray that in the midst of your struggle, in the midst of your wrestling and and your difficulty, that your life is a praise song to God, rejoicing in him, that you rejoice, that your cry, the one of pain and anguish at times, is also a cry of praise for his goodness. Verse 10 says, for you will not, actually I want to back that up, verse 9, my flesh also will rest in hope. My flesh, that is my body, does it hope in things of this world? No, but it hopes in the things of Jesus Christ. Because even the New Testament tells us that this body is a tent. And at one point we will have to cast off this tent and be clothed in another through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Therefore, my flesh also will rest in hope. Going on to verse 10, it says, For you will not leave my soul in Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. God will not leave us in the grave. We will not see corruption or eternal destruction. No hell for the one in Jesus Christ. Just an eternity with him, a paradise with him. That is our hope. That is our confidence. That is what we look forward to and delight in and should motivate us today. One day we will leave this earth and we will leave this body God may restore us to the earth and the eternal kingdom when we understand all of those things. But this body, it's going to be left behind. This mortal flesh. And it won't be 
that I will be cast into corruption or perdition. Because God has promised to fully save those who trust in him. It goes on in verse 11. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. God will show us the path of life. Here and now, absolutely. That is, that he will show us how to live to the full for him right now. But he will also show us the path of life through the grave, in the resurrection, unto eternal life. But focus on the second to last and the last phrase there in verse 11. Yes, we understand and we believe in the resurrection, but then it goes on, in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. If you take away nothing from this, I want you to take away that statement, in your presence is fullness of joy. In your presence, in the presence of God, is fullness that is abounding and overflowing and never-ending joy. Was that applicable to, to David? Absolutely, he penned it. He was looking forward to that moment when he would be in the presence of the Lord. Was it applicable to Jesus Christ? Absolutely. He was looking forward to that day when he would ascend back into heaven and be reunited with God the Father. He was looking forward to that moment. Fullness of joy in the presence of God the Father. Is it applicable to us? Is it applicable to you? Are you in Jesus Christ? If you are, then you've been adopted into the family. You've been called the body of Christ by grace through faith. You are one with Christ. That does not make you a little God, but it does make you one with Christ. That is what he has, one of the things that he has accomplished in the work of salvation. Therefore, you can claim this as reality for your life today and forever. In God's presence is fullness of joy. Happiness, sure, that'll come and go. Delights, sure, there'll be some good days and some bad days. Positives and negatives, ups and down. But in God's presence is fullness, completeness, abundance of joy. Many times in the last four, six, eight weeks, months, however you choose to look at it, I have had my happiness stolen. I've allowed something to creep in, and the negative have seemed to outweigh the positive, and if I've not been careful, my joy has been diminished. That is a choice. That is something that I allow, that you allow to happen. But when we return to the presence of God, we find that He alone is our source of joy. And so it is full, and it is complete, and it is not lacking. It is sufficient It is abounding towards us. It is fullness of joy. And if you don't have that joy this morning, I would challenge you and encourage you to get into the presence of God. Spend time in His Word. Spend time in prayer. Spend time meditating upon Him. Spend time listening to good Christian music. Allow your soul and your heart and your mind to be saturated with who God is and what He has done. Get into his presence.
because there is fullness of joy. Yes, we understand that this will be a reality without any impediment as we enter eternity, that we will have eternity to be full of joy in the presence of God. And yet it is also our privilege today that in the presence of God, and you are in Jesus Christ if he is your Lord and Savior, so you know the presence of God. You have the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit within you. And so we rejoice and know the fullness of joy. And lastly, at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Pleasures forevermore. Pleasures without end. This is what is promised to those who are trusting in Jesus Christ. And even here on earth, we experience that to a certain degree, to a limited degree possibly, because we also have sorrow and and struggles and frustrations. And yet, at his right hand, to be walking at his right hand, to be in right fellowship with him, is a delight and should be a delight, one that causes us to rejoice, one that causes this joy to well up within us, one that even causes great happiness, that we are in right relationship with God. I pray that you know that joy today. I pray that you are experiencing and delighting in his goodness, his pleasures, the good gifts from his hand. You're recognizing that they are from his hand. And I pray as well that we are looking forward, that you are looking forward, not in a negative sense, but just in in a truly, in a right sense, in a humble sense, but in a triumphal sense, that you are looking forward to the day when Jesus Christ comes to take you to be with himself, where you will know, without hindrance, both the fullness of joy of his presence and pleasures at his right hand forevermore. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are gracious and merciful to us. We thank you for this psalm, this beautiful psalm, which starts with a a cry asking that you would preserve us, but ends in great triumphal cry as well, in your presence is fullness of joy. You not only preserve us, you grant us joy and pleasures forevermore. As we face uncertain days, as we face in our own situations, trying times and difficulties and uncertainties, Lord, cause us to cast ourselves upon you, to set our eyes upon you, to set the Lord always before us, so that we would not be moved, we would not be shaken, but that we would rejoice in you. We thank you that you are coming soon. And Lord, may we be faithfully serving you, doing what you've called us to do and delighting to do it, being ambassadors and ministers of Jesus Christ to the world around us when you return. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.